You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Here's Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Matt Peck, also host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago, as well as the 312 on AM 1590 WCGO. My partner, Jordan Malley, is out today, so I'll be holding down the fort on a solo Monday episode. Just a reminder, you should be following us on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us and follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Locked on Shy Bulls. And now, in case you haven't heard, we are on Instagram as well. Follow us on IG at Locked on Bulls. Got a bunch of great content over there for all of you Instagram users. You should be following the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter and Facebook as well. Well, as I said, Jordan is out today, so I will be breaking down the Pacers' loss from Friday night, the Rockets' loss from Saturday night, and looking ahead to tonight's matchup against the Knicks in New York uh, as part of today's episode. Happy Monday for those of you who are Bears fans as well as Bulls fans. Got a big dominant win on the road in Buffalo yesterday. Felt pretty darn good about that. And the big Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady showdown on Sunday Night Football. Solid result there too. Another Packers loss and the Bears are still in first place in NFC North. Just a reminder that if you are a Bears fan, in addition to your Bulls fandom, you should be following uh, and listening to Our sister show, Locked on Bears. Lauren Cox doing a great job with that show as the Bears are working towards the meaty division part of their schedule. We got the Lions on deck next Sunday. Be sure to listen to Locked on Bears all week long. Great content over there from our friend Lauren Cox. And of course, as always, Locked on Cubs as well. Hot stove season starting to uh, get all sorts of interesting rumors going around with Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, the Cubs spending or not spending. Uh, My good friend and co-host of the 312, Sean Sears, does a great job with Locked on Cubs, so you should be listening to and following that podcast as well. All part of the big family here at Locked on Podcast Network. So, let's kick things off by first touching on another heartbreaking loss that started our weekend, 107-105 the final, as we fall to the Indiana Pacers on Friday night. 
after a, a, a backbreaking loss to the Denver Nuggets on Wednesday earlier last week, it was uh, it was really tough to see the Bulls lose another nail biter. And uh, like I, there were so many different takeaways from this game, but really the big one for me was another questionable decision by Fred Hoiberg late in this game. This was not a great Bulls game, but they were benefiting early from the Pacers not shooting very well. The Bulls actually had a 15-point lead at the end of the first quarter. And you're thinking, wow, the Bulls might actually get a win here against a pretty pretty darn good Pacers team. But uh, the Pacers essentially eliminate that lead by halftime. And, uh, you know, the Bulls had one of their typical bad quarters getting beat 38-21 in the second quarter against the Pacers on Friday. And from there... The Bulls actually did still manage to come into the latter stages of the fourth quarter with a lead. I believe it was 99-92 at one point. The Bulls went on an 11-0 run to take a lead. Um, and here's the situation, and here's the beef I have with Fred. Because as uh, as sarcastically as I may have put it when we broke down this game on Bulls Outsiders on Friday night, I don't think Fred was actually trying to lose this game. I don't think Fred has actively tried to lose any of these games, uh, despite the you know the the thought among some in our Bulls fan base that the tanking is what we should be doing. Certainly, while some of the key players on this roster are out, stack those losses while you can. I am of that mind, uh, but. Fred is a head coach who, unless he's actively trying to get fired because he's just so sick of this job and ready to be done and trying to help his bosses who people are already talking about firing Fred at some point before the season is over, maybe he's giving them a little extra incentive. I I mean, I think that's possibly true, but uh, even the most cynical of us, I mean, come on. Is it really likely that Fred's trying to get fired by losing these games on purpose? But so to me, like that is why it was so confusing what Fred did down the stretch of this Pacers game. Yes, Wendell Carter Jr. and Zach Levine each had five fouls. Late in the fourth quarter when Fred subbed them out, and I believe somewhere between the five and the four and five minute mark of time left in the fourth, when the Bulls were protecting that seven point lead. I'm sorry, but why? Why did Fred take them out? I know. Well, they had five fouls. You are holding on to a minimal lead late in a winnable game. And Zach Levine and Wendell Carter Jr., outside of Antonio Blakeney, have been your best players on the floor that night. Levine wasn't having a great shooting night. He finished just 7 of 21, 2 of 7 from downtown. His shot from the outside was a little flat on Friday night. Uh, And we have seen Levine struggle with his outside shot in this recent stretch of games. But still... He is your most dominant scorer. He's your best option as a guy to go get you a bucket late in the game when you're trying to protect a lead. And Wendell Carter Jr., well, we know how effective he has looked on both ends of the floor in their last few games. So why in God's name did Fred take them out? Did he really think it was essential to save them for what, the final minute and a half when now the Bulls have coughed up that lead? With, part, with Levine and Wendell not on the floor? Because that's exactly what happened. The two of them were out for maybe about 90 seconds. And in that 90 seconds, the Bulls' offense fell apart from an execution standpoint. The transition defense, as they have all season long, got cooked. And poof, just like that, their lead was gone. So Fred calls a timeout. And on the other side of that timeout, hey, guess what? Wendell and Levine are back on the floor. But it's too late. And the Bulls, this young, inexperienced team that they are, were once again in a position to try to win a game that they're battling evenly when 
just moments ago they had a lead that they could have protected better, in my opinion, were Levine and Wendell still on the floor. I really just don't get it. So so what? If Levine and or Wendell get their sixth foul in the latter stages of the fourth quarter in the waning moments of a winnable game, so then they get their sixth foul and they foul out. Big big deal. You take that risk. What, what are you, saving their sixth foul for a potential overtime situation? No. I do not understand that decision by Fred. I do not agree with it. it that, was the, that was the ball game right there. You could talk about the Bulls coughing up the lead earlier in the game. You could talk about uh, a number of things. You could talk about, oh, well, Justin Holiday didn't box out uh, on that game-winning putback. Okay. Cool. It's it's irrelevant to me. It's all about why did Fred take his last or his best two players off the floor late in the fourth quarter when he absolutely did not need to. I I, I truly don't get it. Like, what's the point? It was really frustrating to see the Bulls, and and this is even coming from someone such as myself, who believes that the Bulls should be stacking up as many losses as they can right now because I want to add another elite draft talent to this roster because I think they need it. I don't think this team, as assembled, is good enough to, even as they mature and players improve individually and they gather some kind of team chemistry and cohesion as a unit, they don't have enough to be competitive. And I want another premier draft talent added to this roster, and I think they should be losing. I think they should be stacking L's. But even so, even someone who who has that opinion, I was so frustrated by the way this Pacers game ended because this was such a winnable game. And Fred blew it. Really and truly, he blew it. I just, you know, any other takeaways from this game? The rookie Chandler Hutchison coming off the bench now with Jabari in the starting lineup had some nice moments. We can talk about Jabari until the cows come home. Still did not look very good in either this game or the Rockets game. We'll get to that in a second. Justin Holiday, another lights-out shooting performance from him. This was his second straight game, hitting five or more three-pointers. He was 5 of 11 from downtown, 7 of 14 overall, 19 points. A nice game for a guy who is leading this team in minutes, and a lot of us have an issue with that. Once again, Felicio getting the uh, getting the nod over Robin Lopez in the rotation, backing up Wendell Carter Jr. at the center spot. A decent game for Felicio. Nine points, nine rebounds. Even chipped in two assists and a block. Whether or not you believe Felicio should be getting minutes, whatever. That was another factor to this game. Whatever. Blakeney playing hero ball. Hitting three of five from downtown. Nine of 13 overall. Career-high 22 points for the microwave score off the bench, including an insane, impressive four-point play late in this game when the Bulls absolutely needed it because they had coughed up that lead. But again, it goes back to the main issue I have from this game. That four-point mir- four play miracle from Blakeney shouldn't have even been necessary because at that time, Fred's decision to take Levine and Wendell off the floor late in the game because they had five fouls put them in that situation. The Bulls coughed up a lead that they could have, should have protected. And it would have been a pretty impressive way to start the weekend, getting a win over an Indiana Pacers team led by Victor Oladipo that, despite maybe not one of their best efforts, is still a pretty darn good-looking team. 
And Fred blew it. And it's not the first time this season that we are sitting here after a game saying, what what was the reason for Fred making the call that he made, making the decision that he made? Why did Fred close with that five that he closed with? Why did Fred take out Levine and Wendell? When who cares if they have five fouls? They foul out, they foul out. But they're the ones who are most likely to get you that W. Leave them on the floor. Same situation uh, in a game earlier last week when campaign had an awful night. Ryan Archie Diacono was having the game of his career and Fred subs out Archie Diacono late in a close game in the fourth quarter. Campaign comes in and in the span of a few possessions has a couple of turnovers, gets lost on a defensive assignment. Poof, lead gone, Bulls lose. Again, this happened on Friday night and it's a head-scratching decision from Fred Hoiberg. I don't get it. So that's my biggest takeaway from that Pacers game. And uh, this is an opponent that we'll get to see many more times this season as one of our division rivals. And, uh, you know, you can bet that the the next time we play the Pacers, it won't be as a it, it won't it, it likely won't be as winnable of a game as the one on Friday night when the Pacers as a team shot just 27 percent from the three point line. 27% hit just seven of their 26 threes. Oladipo, yeah, 25 points. Pretty good night for him. Also, how the heck does Oladipo get 14 rebounds? Another night when the Bulls are embarrassed on the boards. We got to take our first break here on Locked On Bulls. When we come back, I will be breaking down my thoughts on the ugly game against the Houston Rockets on Saturday. Stick around. More Locked On Bulls back, to, back in 60 seconds. Back here on Locked On Bulls, your host Matt Peck doing a solo show today while Jordan is out, but he should be back tomorrow. So in the meantime, we're breaking down the losses from the weekend and looking ahead to that game tonight at the Garden in New York against the New York Knicks. So uh, let's next talk about this loss to the Rockets on Saturday, the second night of the Bulls back-to-back and the fourth and final game in their all-week-long homestand. 96-88 is the final score in this one. And uh, as Bulls coach Fred Hoiberg pointed out in his postgame thoughts, the Bulls won three of those four quarters. 28-27 after the first. 28-27 again in the second quarter as the Bulls take a two-point lead into halftime. And the fourth quarter, the Bulls win that 25-21. to But it was that gosh darn third quarter that Fred and his players and All Bulls fans wish that we could just immediately scrub from our memory. It's one of those kind of moments where you say, as a a team who goes and looks looks back at the tape from last night's game, do you throw the tape out because there's no point in even watching it because you just got your ass handed to you and you can't learn anything from it? I I, I would hope that Fred makes his players watch the, the tape from that third quarter because there are plenty of mistakes that hopefully they can learn from. Seven points. Seven measly points in 12 minutes of basketball. How, how is that possible? Really and truly, how is that possible? It's baffling. I believe it was the third fewest points scored for a, Bull, for the, for a Bulls team in a quarter in franchise history. 
Oh, and by the way, if you couple the third quarter with the Bulls' shooting struggles that lingered into the fourth quarter, the Bulls stayed in this game, got back in this game because they were able to get to the free throw line. They got Houston in foul trouble early in the fourth. They got to the bonus. And for some reason, Houston kept fouling them. So the Bulls clawed their way back in the fourth quarter because they were very effective from the free throw line. By the way, 26 of 27 from the free throw line for the Bulls as a whole on Saturday night. So kudos to everyone on this young team stepping up to the free throw line and knocking down the easy ones, the freebies. And that is the only reason they stayed in this game. I really don't think that this final score was indicative of how well the Bulls played or how close they were to winning it. Because not only did they only score seven points in the third quarter, they managed just six made field goals in the entire second half. Which, yep, that's a franchise low. Six field goals in a half? You make six baskets in 24 minutes of basketball. That's disgusting. One basket every four minutes? If if my math checks out there, and I'm no math major, but I think that's some pretty simple division right there. That's gross. Really and truly, if it weren't for the Rockets being a dumb team that kept fouling Bulls for no reason, because guess what? It's not like they needed to foul the Bulls to prevent them from getting their looks and knocking down their shots. The Bulls offensively were a dumpster fire on Saturday night. I don't know why Houston kept fouling. I really don't. Ridiculous. The only person that the Rockets should have been fouling instead of giving giving them easy looks is Zach Levine, who... Once again, on the tails of some rough shooting nights against Denver and Indiana, had a a bad night shooting. Four of 16 for Zach Levine from the field on Saturday night, including just one of seven from downtown. But guess what? There he was in the fourth quarter, once again recognizing that this is a night where his outside shot isn't falling. So he passes up open looks at threes or open looks at long twos and attacks the basket. He took some bad shots early in this game, but in that fourth quarter, recognizing that Houston was in foul trouble, recognizing that his shot wasn't falling, Zach started attacking the basket. And he finished the night 12 of 13 from the free throw line. So you love to see that. Absolutely love to see that. And it's the only reason the Bulls were quasi in this game in the fourth quarter, which, by the way, felt like it took a lifetime and a half. God, that was ugly basketball. But this Bulls offense just fail outside of Levine trying to get his and attack the basket. This Bulls offense failed to execute for large stretches, but really just that really, really bad third quarter. How can you only score seven points in a quarter? I, I don't get it. And can we talk about Jabari Parker for a second? I know... The regular listeners to our podcast know how I feel about him, and some of you think I'm too hard on him. Fine. You want to give Jabari Parker more of a chance? You want to let him play out more games this season before making your coming to your conclusion that signing him was a mistake and that the Bulls would be idiotic to pick up the team option and and bring him back next season? Because I think a lot of us are already there. I certainly am. Small sample size, don't care. It's a sample size. Jabari does not fit with this team, and I just don't think he's a very good basketball player. Sad. Sad to say 
that the the Simeon hero that followed in D Rose's footsteps has torn his ACL, has once again torn an ACL, just looks like a guy who is not in great shape and has lost a certain amount of athleticism that used to define his strengths and the ways that he can be a dangerous player on a basketball court. He played 40 minutes on Saturday night. 40. 4-0. And in those 40 minutes, Jabari Parker poured in 15 points on 6 of 12 shooting, including 1 of 3 from downtown, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, grabbed just 3 rebounds, which is a disappointment because if there's anything Jabari has been doing this season, it's chipping in on the boards. Three rebounds Saturday night, zero assists, one steal, zero blocks, seven turnovers. Seven. Now, that's not as bad as Zach Levine's nine turnovers from a game earlier this week, but once again, Levine is being asked to be a distributor and a facilitator more so than he ever has in his career because Chris Dunn is on the shelf. And campaign, he has his moments, but... He is much better, and he has looked much more effective as a guy playing off the ball and letting Zach Levine run this offense. So Zach Levine is going to have nights where he turns the ball over a lot. But we have also, since that nine turnover performance, seen Levine have some nice games where instead of nine turnovers, he's racking in somewhere between five and seven assists and has kept those turnovers to a minimum. Jabari Parker had seven turnovers not as the lead facilitator of the second unit, because guess what? For the third straight game, he was in that starting lineup. It started against the Nuggets on Wednesday when when Fred said, well, because of Millsap in that lineup, we just need a little more size, so Jabari got the start. Okay, fine. That's, that's a reason to start him in one game. Jabari picked up two quick fouls in that game Wednesday, and his start, over before you know it. And for some reason, Jabari got another start on Friday. And for some reason... Jabari got another start on Saturday. What has this guy done to deserve to earn a starting spot? I really, I I don't understand. I don't get it. I feel like I've said I don't get it a million times on today's episode, and I'm sorry for being repetitive, but I am baffled as to how Fred Hoiberg thought it was necessary to play Jabari Parker 40 minutes. He turned the ball over seven times. And oh, by the way, those 15 points, 11 of them came in the first half. Jabari was on the floor for a good chunk of that second half. Where did he go? He ghosted. More examples of Jabari taking poor shots. Long twos where he just dribbles, tries to play ISO, but can't really beat a guy off the dribble because he's lost a step. So he settles for a long two. How many of those how many of those plays do we have to watch before the Jabari stands start to realize and start to admit what's going on here? He has a couple of nice moments in every game where he either has a nice pass or he makes a, a great backdoor cut and he gets a dunk and everybody says, oh, look at Jabari. Look at Jabari throwing down a dunk. I don't care if Jabari dunks a couple of times a game. He looks like a bad basketball player. Defensively, still a nightmare. And that's the funny thing. And the other thing I wanted to talk about from this Rockets game, people wanted to give Jabari all sorts of credit for the fact that The Houston Rockets, early and often in this game, ran their offense so that 
James Harden could get himself switched on to Jabari Parker. And once they got that switch, and it was Harden on Jabari Parker, everyone else on that Rockets team just cleared out. It was like, all right, well, Harden's going to go ISO here on Jabari. And look, it just so happened that Harden was playing in a, 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 like in a game in which he f- didn't really feel like driving all that much. Harden only got to the line eight times on a Saturday night, and he jacked up. Let's see. Hold on. Let me check my box here. 12 threes. He made five of them, which, you know, that's a, that's a pretty solid night from behind the line for behind the three-point line for James Harden. But five of 12 from downtown, there could have been so many more Harden drives that made Jabari look stupid. And the Rockets clearly were setting that up. It was just like Harden was like, ah, I, I don't need to really go to work and drive to the paint tonight and get my butt kicked and get fouled hard tonight. These are the Bulls we're playing. I could just, you know, sh- spread the ball around to my teammates, jack up a few three-pointers every once in a while, and we'll pl- probably walk away with a victory. And they did. This is, a, this is not a good Rockets team that the Bulls lost to. They look disorganized, disheveled, and just as bad as the Bulls defensively so far in the games that the Rockets have played. These are not your almost knocked off the Warriors last year's postseason Rockets. Not the same team. And yet, it's like it's hilarious to me that the Rockets multiple times were like, oh, let's just get Jabari on Harden and let Harden go to work. You're, you you want to give Jabari some credit, Jabari stands, for Harden having a I-feel-lazy night and jacking up threes when he could have, if he wanted to, burned Jabari on any of those ISO situations? Oh, but what about that one where Jabari knocked, uh, you know, stripped Harden of the ball? Played some solid ISO. T- okay, cool, one time. And then w- what did Jabari do exactly after that? He he led a miserable failure of a fast break where he tried to throw a lob that went way in the wrong direction. Cool. Jabari looked good on defense for for half a second and then failed miserably in his in his, and transition offense and leading the break is supposed to be the thing that Jabari is good at. It's one of the things that people always want to point to. Well, hey, yeah, Jabari's half-court game and his ISO and his long twos are not good, but but he sure can lead that transition offense. He looks good facilitating when the Bulls have numbers and are pushing the pace the way Fred wants. Okay, cool. The the one time on Saturday where Jabari had a nice defensive play, he followed it up with a boneheaded decision leading the Bulls' transition offense. So wipe wipe that away. Back to square one. I just don't I don't understand it. And meanwhile, Chandler Hutchison, the rookie that Fred gave a, a, a starting opportunity to for a while there because he still really wanted Jabari to be the leader of that second unit, got benched in favor of Jabari and had probably his best game of his rookie season on Saturday night. His career high 12 points on 5 for 8 from the field, knocked down both of his free throws, four rebounds, two assists, two steals. Chipped in, did a little bit of everything. The guy's playing smart defense. He's playing smart offense. The guy knows that his shot is a work in progress and is only trying to get buckets where he feels confident getting buckets. Love to see the young kid with his hops threw down another ferocious dunk on Saturday. We've already seen a few of those from Hutchison so far in this early season. But it's about being... A, a kid who you would hope as a 22-year-old and a four-year college player is making smart plays, making the right plays out there, playing within himself, never trying to do too much like some of the other young players on this roster. Blakeney at times, doing too much. Campaign at times, 
definitely doing too much. Hutchison, he and fellow rookie Wendell look like good players in their rookie season. And Hutchison played 27 minutes off the bench, which is a good chunk of minutes for a guy coming off the bench, not in the starting lineup. And I think Fred recognized on Saturday night that Hutchison was one of the better players he had out there. But me, I'm wondering, how much longer does this Jabari in the starting lineup experiment last for Fred? Because I don't know why Fred played him 40 minutes on Saturday night. Because Jabari checked out after halftime. And he's he, he is continuing to give us video evidence of the fact that he is indifferent most of the time on defense. He's still struggling with bad shot selection. And he's not in shape. I, I mean... How how long does this experiment last? And how long will it take for the Jabari stands and those still clinging to the hope that Jabari was a good idea and, and can still be a good fit on this roster? I'm sorry, when Markkanen comes back and when Bobby comes back, how many minutes is Jabari getting? Because I know some people are on the fence about you know giving a big contract to Bobby who's basically with, with Markkanen and Wendell in the fold a bench piece moving forward for this core. How much money do you really want to give a potential six man of the year candidate? But even still, I'd rather see Bobby out there and I'd certainly rather see Markkinen get his full dosage of minutes than, than Jabari. And those of you saying, well, so you know, when Bobby comes back and Markkinen comes back, that's when they'll finally get, you know, take a sample of Jabari playing the three because that's what they wanted to see was Jabari playing the three next to Markkinen at the four. And, and we're, we're, gonna, we're still going to see that experience. Eh, no. Fred, it took him, what, a couple of practices to figure out that that experiment was not worth conducting because Jabari... Can't play the three. Cannot play the three. That's why I was against signing him in the first place. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't fit. Not a good fit. Also, just right now, it seems like a guy who's disinterested and not happy. Anytime he talks to the media, when he talks to the media, very short, curt answers. Doesn't really seem to be engaged. Doesn't really seem to be wanting to take any responsibility for some of these losses and some of his poor performances. I, I am I am already so done with Jabari being on this team. I was done with the idea when it happened. And you can say all you want. As small sample size, give it time. He just needs to get in shape. He needs to get to know his teammates, develop a little bit of chemistry. I'm f- fine. If, if you want more time, if you need more time, Mr. and Mrs. Bulls fan, to figure out that Jabari, bad idea. Take all the time you need. I'll be here on Jabari was a dumb idea island waiting for y'all. It's a nice island. I don't mind being on it, and I don't mind being one of the first ones here. Call call me a, a you know a sourpuss. Call me a poor sport. Call me mean. Call me over overly harsh in my judgment of Jabari so far. Call me whatever you want. I don't care. A couple of nice plays here and there is not going to take away from my opinion that when you look at the entire sample size and when you go back and look at the film, 
countless examples of Jabari doing the wrong thing on both ends of the floor. And we saw more of it in a gross game on Saturday night in which Jabari Parker played 40 minutes, and I don't know why. Those are my thoughts from the Rockets game. Uh, Bulls get uh, another chance to right the ship or, I, I don't know, plug holes in the ship. After their 0-4 homestand, they hit the road tonight, uh, 6.30 p.m. Central Time tip-off against the Knicks. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. But really quickly, just wanted to keep you in tune with what we're doing at the Lockdown Podcast Network. The Lockdown Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram all over social media. On Twitter, you should be following Locked On NBA Net to get all of the Locked On Podcast Network local hosts covering their respective NBA teams in one feed. It's awesome. It's awesome during games, for breaking news coverage, and to get the local perspective on your team. Plus, on Instagram, Locked On NBA Net is giving you the biggest stories in just one minute on on their Instagram story section, and then longer cuts of the biggest stories in your local market in their Instagram feeds. It's awesome. It's a new thing that Locked On Podcast Network is doing. Follow Locked On NBA Net on Instagram to get all of that great coverage. And of course, as well, Locked On NBA Net on Twitter to get a feed of all of the local experts in one place. It's the best. More Locked On Bulls right after this. Back here on Locked On Bulls, Matt Peck holding down the fort. Jordan Malley off today, but should be back tomorrow. Just a few more thoughts as we look ahead to the Bulls matchup with the Knicks in New York tonight. 6.30 p.m. Central Time tip-off. The Knicks coming off of a pretty gross loss to the Washington Wizards. Not many teams having trouble with the Washington Wizards so far this season, but the Rockets lost to them on Sunday night. So this is, or I'm sorry, the Knicks lost to them on Sunday night. So this is a Knicks team coming into the second night of a back-to-back, coming off of a pretty embarrassing loss to a Wizards team that looks like the biggest mess in the NBA right now. Uh, The Knicks shot 19% from three in that loss last night. And that is a continuation of the norm. Um, The Knicks ranked 25th in the NBA in three-point percentage at 33.4, whereas the Bulls, launching them all the time, actually have the fifth-best three-point percentage in the league behind just Indiana, Clippers, Sacramento, and Golden State. Bulls knocking down 38.5% of their three balls. Certainly the uh, the most dangerous three-point shooter the Knicks have is Tim Hardaway Jr., who is knocking down 40.2% of his 8.7 attempts per game. Kevin Knox, the youngin, who is coming off the bench for this Knicks team, he's, uh, he's, he's not taking as many, but he's also knocking down 44% of them. Um, and then, of course, Enos Cantor doing his thing, averaging a double-double so far this season from the center position. But this certainly between the Knicks coming in off a back-to-back, the Knicks not being a very dangerous three-point shooting team, the Knicks being one of the worst teams in the league as far as ball movement and getting assists, their 20, just over 20 assists per game, ranks 29th in the league. The Bulls are middle of the pack there, ranked 15th in a team assist per game. So... They're not a great threat from behind the arc, 
and they're not really great moving the basketball. When you look at the Bulls' defensive weakness this season, those have been two of the most glaring points of failure. They can't contest shots around the perimeter. They can't guard the perimeter. And against teams that move the ball efficiently, the Bulls get lost on switches. The Bulls get lost trying to follow guys around screens. They can't help from the weak side. They can't get to open players when the opponent is swinging the ball effectively. So this could be a game where the Bulls defensively actually don't look like a complete disaster because the Knicks aren't that great at at exploiting the biggest weaknesses of this Bulls team. Now, transition defense, it's still going to be an issue. It's always an issue with these Bulls. But it's not like this Knicks team is a run-and-gun team that much anyway. I think this is certainly a winnable game for the Bulls. A chance to to knock this uh, this four-game losing streak we have. And honestly, you kind of wonder what kind of effort the Bulls are going to put forth. Madison Square Garden, always a big stage. Players get excited to uh, to play on a stage like that. We saw Markkinen have his coming out party at the Garden last season. We've already seen Wendell have his coming out party. Uh, it happened in that game against the Denver Nuggets on on last Wednesday. Not quite a coming out party yet for Chandler Hutchison, but he did look pretty darn good and have his career high 12 points in their loss to Houston on Saturday. Hopefully we can see more of Hutchison who did talk about how excited he was to play his first NBA game at the uh, at at the uh, the Garden in New York. Always exciting for a rookie. I think this is very much so a winnable game for the Bulls. I don't think they're going to blow out the Knicks unless the Knicks just pack it in and say, "Ah, we're tired. Second night of a back to back. We stink. We just lost to the Wizards. This team is a mess." The Knicks could certainly do the Bulls a favor and just and quit on themselves. That's certainly a possibility for tonight's game. But there's also the possibility that they'll want to bounce back and get that bad taste out of their mouths of losing to the pathetic Washington Wizards. So, I, you know, this, this game could go a number of ways. But going back to what I was saying about the loss to Indiana on Friday, what will Fred do? If this game is close, late, will we once again be talking tomorrow about, I can't believe Fred did fill in the blank, or I can't believe Fred put fill in the blank on that floor for the closing minutes of the game and I can't believe that Fred gave fill in the blank as his reason for doing fill in the blank in another close Bulls loss I don't want to be talking about that again tomorrow but we certainly could be for my co-host Jordan Malley who will be back tomorrow Matt Peck saying thanks as always listen thanks as always for listening to Locked on Bulls Hope you have a good Monday, a victory Monday for you Bulls, uh, for you Bears fans. Again, check out Lauren Cox and all the great stuff he's doing over at Locked On Bears, and my guy Sean Sears, co-host of my Three One Two Show, uh, doing all of that great work for Locked On Cubs. And again, check out the awesome Locked On NBA Net Twitter and Instagram pages. Great stuff for your NBA content, not just for the Bulls, but for NBA content across the board. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Enjoy this Bulls Knicks game tonight. Jordan and I will be down. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to break it down. And for those of you who have access to either the NBC Sports Chicago My Teams app or NBC Sports Chicago's Facebook page or NBC Sports Chicago, if you are someone who has cable or YouTube TV or whatever the case, 
Uh, catch me on a fresh episode of Bulls Outsiders immediately following Mark Kendall and Will on Bulls Post Game Live tonight. Enjoy the game. We'll see you tomorrow. Until next time, Bulls Nation, be good. Out. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com 